Hi, this is Pastor JC. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast here at Faith Outreach Church. We want to invite you anytime you're in the area to come by and visit us at 3001 Wallace Avenue here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Sit back and enjoy today's message. Go ahead and be seated. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Amen. Good to see everyone here today. Hallelujah. Just turn me down just a hair. Thank you, Lord. Um, I want to just say one thing about next week. Next week is our healing uh, service. And we're doing that because we really felt like the Lord said do it, number one. Uh, number two is we've been praying and believing for there being an increase. There will be a healing flow coming back into this church. And we're already getting reports. I, I gave a report Wednesday that there was a man who, uh, um, who came it's about six, seven weeks ago. They've since then moved. Uh, they didn't get to stick around. But he had fibromyalgia. And uh, he uh, let me know that uh, after hands were laid on him and he'd been prayed for, that for now it'd be seven weeks, he hadn't, hadn't been taking any more medicine. And he said he had any more problems. So praise the Lord. Yeah, amen. And so we're starting to hear reports, and we're going to just keep pressing in. And I just want to encourage you that if you haven't seen your result yet, we've got a little thing back there. It's called, I think it's called Healing Instructions. Um, just amuse me in, in taking it and going over and getting yourself ready for next, uh, next Sunday to be prayed for. Uh, these are some things we've learned over the years. This is not something that we're just, you know, came up with. This is something we've learned, we've walked in ourselves. And the, the worst thing that you can do is give up. That's the worst thing that you can do. Uh, you know, and, and that's exactly what the devil would want you to do, is just decide, well, I can't get it, or it's not for me, or all those lies that we always have to, you know, deal with. And, or, you know, why, haven't it, why, is it, why hasn't it happened? Well, the, 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 the truth is, there are reasons. But praise God, we've got the Holy Spirit. He's going to help us. And if you won't give up, he'll get you there. He'll get you there. And so, there are, so there, that little pamphlet that we put together, if you'll get that and just do it this week. Just, again, just do it because we're asking you to do it. And and come in faith Sunday to receive. Amen. You know, don't, like I say, just get over yourself. Why it hasn't happened. And keep pressing in until until you finally see it happen. Because healing belongs to you. It really does. You know, and, you know, we realize we've we've done this long enough. You just have to figure it out. That's what it comes down to. And, you know, trusting the Lord, coming to church to hear the Holy Spirit will give you instructions. The anointing's here. Uh, you know, we've been healed. And I'm still standing for my ear. You know, I would like to have that done a long, I'd like to, you know, have this fixed a long time ago, but, the tr- but it hasn't. So I've got to, you know, keep walking it out by faith. Amen. Until it has. I know it can and I know it will happen. All right. When? That's not in my power. But I've just got to keep trusting God. I've got to keep making my adjustments whenever he speaks to me and shows me things to do. Amen. And keep myself encouraged that I don't get disappointed and quit. Like so many people do. So hopefully this is one thing that, you know, the Holy Spirit's helping us do is to encourage you. And, you know, I just want to let you know uh, that if you haven't seen anything, it doesn't mean that God has denied you anything. You just need to keep pressing in. Amen. Because, because the ultimate thing is you see it. The ultimate thing is you have it. That's where God wants to stand up. But there's so, there's so many things that we're, we're having to learn to deal with. And so you just, you just got to trust God. So God is good. God is faithful. So on his end, there's nothing wrong. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if you want to get hands laid on you next week, uh, maybe you've just been in a slump. You almost gave up. Well, come on. Get, get your faith encouraged again. Come back and receive Sunday. Hallelujah. Um, <clears throat>
I want to go over, let's go over to Ephesians 5. We're going this will probably end up being our, the, end, the end of the year. I'm going to start a series. We're going to, I don't know how long we'll go for, but I sort of felt like this is where the Lord wanted us to end up this year, talking about the glorious church. Uh, it's just sort of been interesting to see how he's been leading us all this year. Things he's been having us do, you know, the house cleaning during the summer months, getting our lives, uh, getting forgiveness for people and getting bitterness and getting all that stuff out of us. And, and uh, you know, he's been dealing with us, getting, you know, getting healing back into the, uh, the house. Uh, just, you know, just things over the year, what he's been dealing. And I believe this is where he wants us to end up because... This is what he's going to be able to use in the last day of this last hour where you and I are, is the glorious church. Amen. I mean, we're, that's who we are, the glorious church. And we've, got to, and we've got to understand that what that means and what, our, what we're supposed to be doing. So we're going to look at some things. I'm not going to try to rush it. We're not, you know, just going to sort of go, go with the flow here and see where we end up. But um, Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to start in verse 17. Ephesians 5, 17. It says, <clears throat> Paul said, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Does God want you to know what his will is? down here alive, <laughs> walking in the, on the earth. I think everyone pushes everything off to heaven or when we leave, how, you know, well, we're going to know everything there. We're going to have everything there. Yeah, there's going to be no more pain, no more sickness, no more crying, no more of this. But God doesn't want to, uh, and uh, I think it's Deuteronomy, he talked to the, the uh, children of Israel and he said, I want you to have heaven on earth. Well, if he wanted it to have it on during the old covenant, how much does he want us to have it here in the new covenant? We're supposed to be experiencing heaven on earth. I didn't say we're going to bring heaven and make heaven here, but you and I as the children of God, we're supposed to be having it and living in it. Remember that part, that prayer, the Lord's prayer, Lord, your will be done in he on earth as it is in heaven. So, you know, if he didn't want that to be, then why would he even encourage us to pray that way? Amen. So the will of God is not ever to be a mystery to us. Well, you just never know what the will of God, well, you should know what the will of God is. You have 66 books that tell you the will of God. You have the Holy Spirit who's there to help you and reveal the will of God. You've got a church that's here to support you to, to walk in the will of God. So there's no, there's no excuse or reason why we shouldn't, as children of God, know we're even called the children of light. Not, we're not the children of darkness, we're called the children of light. So we're to be walking in light. We're to be walking in understanding. And especially right now, as we get closer and closer to the end, then, you know, God's not, gonna, God's not trying to keep us, you know, in darkness and keep us from understanding where we're at. You know, he wants us to, to be clear about it. He wants our eyes being opened. He doesn't want us, you know, being, what is it, be not... Uh, um, what is First Peter five talks about? Don't be being uh, be sober. In the last, be vigilant and be sober, because your adversary, the devil, seek uh, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Well, sober means alert. Yeah. It means to be alert. Amen. We're to spiritually, we're to be alert. We're to understand. We're to know what's happening. We're not to be as the world unsure. I mean, they're fighting everything but the right battles. Save the baby well. Well, who wants to, who cares about saving the baby well? Let's save babies. Yeah. <laughs> Are you here? Amen. You know, well, we've got to save the planet. No, we can't save the planet. Planet's going to be okay. This planet's going to burn up one of these days and it's going to be God doing it. 
All right? See, the, the, the devil tries to get, gets us off on all these tangents that things that don't matter, and, and so we don't focus on what does matter. Jesus is coming back. Amen. There's lives in the balance right now. Amen. We have the message that can, that can bring good news to the, to the people. Well, so God doesn't want us to be in darkness. He doesn't want us not to know about, uh, to know the will of God. So verse 16, it says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What are we supposed to be drinking of? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. You know, and... Uh, I got, there's, I was looking up some translations of this because, you know, it seems like more nowadays a lot of Christians are sipping wine and drinking and, and so forth and not being a big thing. But I guess, you know, coming out of that in my own lifestyle, I don't know why you would even want to go back into it. Amen. Amen. And it says, New Living says, he says, just don't be drunk. He said, don't be drunk with wine because that it'll ruin your life. Amen? But he says, be filled with what? The Spirit. So we're going to be drinking of something. I said, we're drinking of something all the time in this life. And we're supposed to be drinking of what? The Spirit of God that brings life, that brings strength. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not digressing. Just hang on with me and watch this. He says, verse 19... So he's, he's, he's given the analogy about, you know, natural things versus spiritual things. And in verse 19, he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is really what he's talking about, drinking of the Spirit right here. Being filled, the, the um, Greek says, don't just be filled with the Spirit, but be, in, be being filled. Something that we're supposed to be doing. And this is really something I don't think Christians, for the most, for the, for the most doesn't really understand this part. About what, how important it is that you drink of the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. Um, and stay full of the Spirit. Because you need to, to, to deal with things in this life. Amen. This is why, this is, you know, I always say this. If you're not staying full of the Spirit, then you're going to gravitate and want to get full of something. Yeah. Because you're going to need it to deal with things. Yeah. Amen. Why, are, why, are, why is everyone wanting marijuana now? Well, because we've got to deal with life. <laughs> And man, I just need to chill out. Well, that's not, that's not God's way of chilling out. But you don't blame the world for to go in that direction. Because of all, because of everything, the stress and, and all the evil and all the, the, you know, unknowing that is facing them. If you don't, if you don't learn to deal with things, that's, that's how you're going to have to go deal with it. But that's not God's way. That's not God's best. Amen? No. There's a better way, and it's dealing with it being full of the Spirit of God. And if you'll stay full of the Spirit, you can live life joyfully and still face the circumstances and pressures that come to us. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's the way we're supposed to live that way. Verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God... So now, he, he, again, he's not digressing here. You know, we, th we take this out many times and start teaching about marriage here. But he's talking about, first of all, it's interesting. Notice he's, he says you need to stay full, full of the Spirit. And then he tells you how to stay full of the Spirit. And then he starts talking about submission, submitting to one another. Well, you know, I don't understand that. Why do we need to submit? Why do we need? Well, because God set it up that way. 
He said, or, he said order up in this world. He set it up in government. He set it up in the church. He set it up in marriage. He set it up in our life. If we didn't have, because if we didn't have order, then we'd have chaos. And if you, can't, if you have chaos and you have strife, you have confusion, and the Bible says every evil works. But in order for us to have to, to, to have order, then we're going to have to learn, we're going to have to realize we have to learn to submit. And submission is not easy. The person who says it's easy to submit is not submitting. Oh yeah, I don't have no problem with that. Yeah, right. We all have a problem with it. Amen. Submission in a nutshell is, is bringing your will in line with another will. Bringing. That means your will doesn't really want to go in line with another, someone else's will. But they're in authority. And so, you know, the person says, you know, your boss tells you, I want you to stop doing this. I want you to go out and clean, clean up out there and take trash out. No, that's not, that's not my job. Well, you're just, you're failing right there at submission. Are you listening? That was, you just failed a test. That, see, if, uh, submission is not agreement. It really isn't. It's easy to do what is asked of you or what everyone's saying, you know, when you agree with it. But that's not what submission is. And the thing is, if you don't learn to submit, then, there's gonna, then you're always going to have all this trouble around you in your life. Kids growing up doesn't understand about submitting to authority. Well, why are they always having problems? Why are they always being thrown in and out of jail? Why are they, why are, you know, they're leaving their jobs all the time and doing, well, because they don't like anyone telling them what to do. Well, that's fine if you're the boss, but you're not always going to be the boss. And so you're going to have to learn to get along and you're going to have to learn to submit. Because that's the way of life. That is the way of life. And if you don't get that, even in your marriages, you got to get that settled. And church and church authority and, you know, government, just the whole, our whole society is, lit, is up that way. Are you here? Amen. And, you know, that's why we've got a whole prison full of, you know, of people. Well, because they didn't want to submit. They didn't want to obey the laws. They wanted to do, you know. And so, well, then there's only the, the other thing is the consequences. All right, so that's a little bit on submission. We're not going to stay, I'm not going to stay there. But it says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So I just found it interesting. Before he ever goes into that, he starts talking about getting full. Because you need to be full to really, to live in submission. <laughs> right? Amen. You really need to be full. Hallelujah. Um, so then he goes, verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ in the head, is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. And all the men said, <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm going to amen the word. Hallelujah. But the, the, the thing here is, he wasn't talking to the men, right? Who's he talking to? The wives. All right. So that tells me right there that it's not the men's job to make sure the wives submit. That's not our job. And he, and he wasn't even talking to you. He was talking to the wives. But now, now listen, he, he starts, even in the family, he starts setting up the authority. The, the structure. Remember, someone's got to be in charge. Someone's got to be the one over things. I mean, it just makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if, 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 if any more than one person is involved, then we're going to have to have a head. You're going to have to have someone who's going to make decisions. And you're going to, and you're going to have to, to abide by that. Well, God's the one who set this up. Are you, are, are you here? 
right, I, I can fill this, I can fill it. So he says a husband is the head. You say, well, why isn't the wife the head? Well, because God said the husband is. Period. What's the head? He's the one who wears the pants in the house. Are you here? But now notice that he says something. That doesn't, now listen, we're not talking about lord, lording over one another. See, this is the thing. People just don't, they only hear what they want to hear. You hear that, Martha? <laughs> we only hear what we want to hear, what is convenient for us, what works for us. And that's what gets us in a lot of trouble. All right, so he's, and I, when I said Martha, I wasn't even thinking. It must have been the Holy Ghost, Harold. Margaret. Margaret. <laughs> I, I better move on. I'm, I'm getting deeper here. Wives, he said, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Now notice, this is what we're really wanting to get to, the analogy that he began putting together about marriage and the Christ and the church. And he says, as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. So he's likened a marriage, a husband and wife, as being Christ and his church. All right? And he just talks about that the wives is submit to the husband. And that, so the husband uh, really... You know, we rejoice about, wow, well, I'm the head, I'm the head. Well, you don't get it then, because whenever you're the head, you've got all this responsibility. It's not, a, it's not about telling someone what to do and what not to do. That's not, what it's, that's not what it's all about at all. If you're the head of the family, man, I'm telling you what, you need to make sure that, you're, that your family's in church. And you're not taking off. You're the head. The head leads. The head, the head is the one, the head is the one who makes the godly decisions. Amen. When the when when the rest of the family is saying, well, you know, you know, listen, listen, we need to do this. No, this is what God's told us we need to say concerning this. So, you know, this takes trust, it takes faith, it takes, it takes a time of building that relationship. You need to pray, you need to seek God. You need to be the one who, you need to set the example. Are you here? So, you want to be the head? Then you got to live like the head. Jesus is the head. Did he ever depart? Did he ever lose sight of his mission? Did he ever lose sight? Did he ever leave God? Did he ever, you know, do things that would jeopardize? No. He, he, he cared for us enough to live rightly and live, and live before God. See, that's the analogy he's talking about. And does, does he make you, you know, what we've getting our squirrely little attitudes and we have our own thing and we walk away and we do what we want to do. Did he make you serve him? No. Does he strike you down because you're not living right? No. no, he lets you do what you want to do. So let, that's, that shows you about submission that the head, you say, well, you know, that's right. I'm the head and you're supposed to submit to me and you're supposed to do what I want you to do. You can't go there. You can't do this. You've got it. No, that's, that's not being the head. You say, well, I can't get them to do anything. They won't submit. Well, that's, your not, that's not your, your place. If they won't submit, then they won't submit. But you're not, you're not the one who's to make them submit. You can't do that. It'll, it'll, not, it'll not go well. <laughs> if you've tried it, I can tell you, don't go well. <laughs> no, submission is willingness. Wanting to, being willing to do it. Not being made to do it. So he says, Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. 
For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And so, as a Christian, we submit unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to, we're to be all the time bringing our will in line with his will. When we see in the word or hear from, the, from him and our life is not lining up with what he desires and what he wants, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to submit. Put aside our feelings. Put aside our emotions. Put aside our what we want but, and do what he wants. See, this is submission. Well, it's the same way in the marriage. It's supposed to work that way. What if you don't do that? Well, he just lets you go off. He just lets you go do your own thing. You say, well, what if, you know, what if my wife goes does, does my own thing? Well, she's going to. I mean, it's, it's God's, you know, hopefully God will deal with her and come in, but you can't make a person submit. The husband, <clears throat> um, verse 25, husbands. Oh, guess what? Now he's not talking to the wives. So all the wives need to turn out, tune out. Because this is not about you. He's talking to the husband. Husband, now this is where you got, you're the head. This is where you're supposed to listen. He said, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So you want to you hear how love's supposed to work? Go look at Jesus, how he loves, loves us. He gave his life for us. Amen. He put it down. He put his own life in front of, uh, uh, he put his own life behind us and, and put us first. Love, love is, is doing what's right. Love's obeying. You know, the truth of it is, Jesus lived a whole life of submission. You say, well, no, he's, he was Lord. Yeah, but not when he was on earth. His, his head is God the Father. So he was submitted to the will of God. Matter of fact, he said, everything I do, he says, everything you see me do, everything you hear is what my father would say and do. So he was in total submission to him. So he didn't even live his own life down here. So the head, so, you know, if you're really ahead of something, there's still going to be someone above you that you're always going to have to submit to. I've always said this, you know, I, I finally got it years ago. They used to say this, if you're going to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower. And I just think, well, what does that mean? Well, the, the fact is, you know, if you can't take instructions, and then you're given in a leadership role, why do, what makes you think you're going, to do, you're going to do okay following the instructions still above you? I've seen this over years. I worked at a factory over in Charleston one time, and there's this guy I worked with. I worked in production, and his name was Mark, not this Mark. And, uh, and um, anyways, he was, he was just quite a character. Well, he got, he got in uh, buddies to be buddies with the superintendent. And so pretty soon, guess what? He got promoted. Well, he wasn't really, the, he wasn't really uh, you know, uh, he wasn't really all that great of a worker because he always joked around, played around, you know, and just did, just a good old buddy with everyone. And, and, and so all of a sudden, now he's, now he's a, uh, like a superintendent over everyone. So now he's trying to give the orders. So he's trying to get everyone to do what he was supposed to be doing, but he wasn't doing it at the time. But now, he, you know, the, now he's told this is what you've got to do. You've got to get the production numbers up. You know, you've got to get the workers to do this and so forth. Now he's trying to enforce that, and everybody's just laughing at him. And, and then when he, when he enforces it, he's getting, everyone's starting to turn on him. Well, because they've seen the way that he was. And he, and he still wasn't able to take instruction because he, he liked certain ones, and so he started showing favoritism. And it was, just, it was just a mess. He wasn't a good follower to begin with. And now they've, they've put it, bumped him up and put him into a leadership, and now he's not a good leader. Because he's already making exceptions for some and, you know, and, and doing... 
No, a good, a good leader is a good follower. You learn, you learn to do what's expected of you, and you learn to, it doesn't matter if, if you're asked, you do it. Amen? And you're not, you're not going off and doing other things when nobody's watching. Bible says that, that everything we do, we do unto the Lord. So even in your job, there's someone else that you're really working for, and that's God. It's not, it's not these people. Are you here? God's the one who rewards you anyway and meets your needs. Hello. So, husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Now, I would encourage you, if you're not, you know, if you weren't here Wednesday night, start coming. We're talking about sanctification. And, and he touches on it here. And he said that he might sanctify who? The church. You're the church. Okay? And with the washing of the water by the word. Notice there's two things happen here. He sanctified you. And then the washing. So washing means there's a continual thing going on here. Cleansing. You know why you need to be cleansed? Because this world's dirty. It is. And you, if you're out in it too long, you're gonna, it'll start getting all over you. And you need to come get washed continually with the Word. That's what this is for. Amen? I mean, this is one thing good about church. You get washed. Get cleansed. Get your, get your mind renewed. Hallelujah. Verse 27. That he might present it to himself. What? The church. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it shall be holy, everyone say holy, holy. and without blemish. So, question, can we achieve this? <laughs> Are we going to be able to live up to the, what God's expecting, wanting out of us? Can we be that glorious church, that glorious bride unto the Lord that we don't have no spots, no wrinkles, that we're, that we're holy, no blemishes? Is this, is this something that we're going to be able to achieve or is this something that's getting ready to happen? Is this something that is going to, you know, Maybe next year, maybe the first of the year, there's going to be such an outpouring of the Spirit of God and revival is going to break out and we're going to be in church and all of a sudden the glory cloud's going to move in here and it's going to fall on us and everyone's going to fall out underneath the power of God and we're going to wake up and you're not, Jesse's not going to know me, I'm not going to know her. We're just going to be so perfect. And from that point on, we're going to walk a different walk. We're going to do things that we only dreamed about. We're going to go out. We're going to evangelize the world, you know, in just a week. And then Jesus is coming back. Because the glorious church has arisen. Is that what, is that what needs to happen? Because, of my th because what I've seen over the years and heard is that that's what sort of everyone's sort of thinking about. Maybe not saying it quite that way, but they're sort of expecting that that's where we're going to come to. That something, you know, there's going to be that long revival is going to break out in here. And then through that time, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be brought into a new state, a new place. Kelly is going to be going... Joe, what can I do for you? Anything you want. And Joe's going to go, Kelly, I just love you. I just want to do everything. I'm giving you everything I have in my life. We're all just, just perfect submissions going on. Really, we don't even have to do submission because everyone's doing what's right anyways. We just sort of all know what to do. Before I even get up, Jesse's got the table all spread. I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna want that. How'd you know? Holy Ghost. <laughs> I mean, it's just gonna be so supernatural. 
that it, we're, we're just going to be perfect because we're the glorious church. We're the glorious church. Think that'll ever arrive? I'm not even sure that's going to be the, totally the way it is in heaven. <laughs> no. So what is, so when he's saying the glorious church, because it says here that he wants, a, that's what he's looking for here right now, the glorious church. I've, uh, I, be, I personally believe that the glorious church, you know, for you to go to heaven, you have to be glorious. Because he's coming back for the glorious church. And so if he's coming back for the glorious church, then we're going to have to be glorious when we're taken away, Right? But what if I died before he came back? Would I be taken away or received? Well, I believe so because scripturally says that when I called upon him that I was born again. I'm a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Amen. That says I'm saved. I have salvation. So I don't question that. So maybe I'm already glorious. Maybe I'm already glorious. Now listen, uh, Brother Hagin used to say this to us. He said on teaching on different subjects, he said it's like a mountain. And he says, you know, we were just out in Colorado and walk, got to go up in the Rocky Mountains. And depending on where you are, you got different scenic. And so depending on what side of the mountain you're climbing up, maybe totally, maybe look different than on the other side of the mountain, but it's the same mountain. And I'm not taking away any merits of the glorious church, the way it's been taught and so forth. But it seems, it seems to us, anyway, this is the, always the side of the mountain that I'm climbing. Okay? So don't just say, well, you know, what everyone else teaches on is wrong. I don't believe that. I mean, I just believe you're, you're, it depends on which side of the mountain you're climbing up. And this is the side I always, it seems like the Holy Ghost has this climb. The glorious church. Can it be that we are now the glorious church? I believe it is. I believe we are right now. Right now in your present state. If you're born again, you're, you're a son and daughter of God, then you are the glorious church. Now, we're going to look at a few things, and then we'll just we'll shut down and we'll continue next week. But um, look at verse 27 again. Because what, what is it that always... What is it that always gets us? It's a spot and wrinkle and no blemishes. That's what really, that's what really uh, throws us for a loop. Because why? Because in our lives, we know there's all kinds of blemishes. And there's all kinds of spots. And, all, and you're never, <clears throat> we're, in, in the flesh, you're never going to rise to the place of perfection. You're never going to get there. I don't care how much you pray, how much you read the Word, and how many good things. I mean, even if you did everything perfect, so to speak, it's still not going to, it's still not going to give you to the place of perfection. You can't arrive there. Not in the flesh. It, and the reason I say that, because if you could have, then Jesus would not ever have to come. It wasn't because of the works and the things we did. It was because of that sin stain that we had from Adam. Okay? That's what, that's what it was all about. So we start looking at our actions. We, still, we start looking at the way that, you know, we live and we see our faults. We see our things that we, shortcomings and so forth. And then we assume, okay, I'm not there yet, but I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to be the glorious church. I'm trying to be the, the, the bride of uh, Christ that he expects of me to be. Okay? And we're not. You can't, not that way. You'll never, you'll never arrive to it. You'll never achieve it. And the reason why you'll never arrive to it, because you already are the glorious church. The thing he says here, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Okay, holiness. Holy. Are you holy right now is the question. Are you holy? 
Corey is, a, is a amber holy right now. <laughs> He's saying it real sheepishly. <laughs> <laughs> Because he knows if he don't, he's going to get one of these. <laughs> Truth is, she is. She is. It didn't, ha- it didn't matter anything that happened on the way to church. She is. You are too. Because it didn't have anything to do with before or after, it has everything, everything to do with what Jesus Christ did for us. He made you. He made you. He made you holy. Okay, let's go to this scripture. Romans 8, 29 and 30. And then we'll stop here. Say, we are the glorious church. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to conform to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he also called, them he also justified, and whom he also justified, them he also glorified. So it's talking about Christ and the church. So it's talking about for whom he did foreknow, he foreknew us. It said he predestinated us. Now, I know we shy away from that word predestinate because, you know, it's very confusing if you're confused about it. But if you're in lie about it, it's not confusing at all. You were predestinated to be saved. You are. You're, the, the whole world is. The whole world was predestinated and planned on being saved. Let me give you a scripture to think about. is Revelation 3.5. I think it's 3.5 or 15. But he talks about that in the book of life, it says that God is going to blot out those. Well, if he's, then that means it's already written in. Right? See, it's, it's my belief... Again, I'm not going to argue with folks about it. I'm just, I'm just walking in what I, my understanding I have. I believe that when you are brought into this world, your name is already put into the book of life. Because God's planning on you coming into salvation. He's not waiting to see what you're going to do. You're already put in there. Now, the deal is you want to keep your name in there. Well, to get your name out of there would be to reject Jesus Christ. Then, you're, then on that day, your name will be blotted out. But if you accept Jesus Christ, then your name stays in the book of life. Not hard, is it? No. So you see, when we're talking about predestination that way, it doesn't mean that what you know, is willed for you, 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 have no, you have no choices. You still, you have choices. But this is what God predestinates. This is what God wills and wants for you. And he's made a way for you. For you to to come into salvation. And he's planning on you coming into salvation. But you're going to have to make that choice. So he predestinated us. Doesn't that make it easy? Think about this a minute. Witnessing and talking to people. what What if we began thinking that way? You go up to win. Did you know you're in the book of life? I am? Yeah. Don't you know that you're already, God's already counting on you and, and put you in the book of life that, to live forever? Really? Yeah. Did you, you know, you know you, get to, you can stay in there in that book forever and live forever if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? See, in approaching people, it's not, we're trying to, we're trying to inform them, you know what's already given to you, already God's provided for you, you know what God's plan for you is? 
You just need to come into it through Christ. See, we think God's measuring everyone and, and you know, and checking out everybody and seeing what they did last week or seeing what they did last year and seeing whether, you know, he'll save them or not. That's not true. I said, that's a lie. That the devil has, you know, hoodwinked us into believing. But the, the love of God is so great that God is planning on every single person coming into his kingdom. He's planned on it so much that he's already written them in the book of life. If you reject Christ and what you're saying is, Jesus, you're saying, Father, take me out of that book of life. I don't want to go this way. That's all it is. You'd have to be pretty stupid to do that, though, right? <laughs> or really, the message has just been so fumbled up and mucked up that they don't get it. But thank God we're getting it. We're getting clear on it. So notice he said, he also did predestinate to conform to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We'll go ahead and say sister and two. Brother and sister. Verse 30. Moreover, those he did predestinate, say that's me. He called. He called. So the calling went out. The word went out. Somewhere you heard. Right? Glory to God. And what would you do? You answered. I said, you answered the call. Then it says, them he justified. So he predestinated us. He called us. Now he said, he justified you. And those he justified, it said he glorified you. Remember, we're talking about the glorious church. Now, that's real simple just to read that and go over that and think, well, praise the Lord, isn't that good? Let's go on something else. But I'm t there is so much here that we haven't got insight on or understood yet. But I'm telling you, it's life-changing. It really is. To understand what God has done for you and did in you and for you, and if you it'll radic it can radically change your whole life. Let, let's read this. Let me read this out of the Amplified. Okay, this is the Amplified version. It brings out a little more. And those whom he thus foreordained, he called. That's you. Say, that's me. Say, I answered the call. Then he justified you. Okay, what's justify mean? Acquitted, made righteous, I want to say made. Man, I'm telling you, you've got to get, you have to understand that. Made. You didn't, you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't, you didn't do anything for it. He made you that. Like, took you out of a mold that was made. Made you that way. He made you righteous. He made you righteous. He made you righteous. Made. Too many people are trying to earn their righteousness. He made you. You can't do anything about it. He made you that way. You came out of the mold made righteous. Say, I'm justified. And I've been made righteous. Now this is all in Christ. So he made you righteous, putting them, putting you, putting Faith Outreach Church today, you here today, putting you into right standing with God. That's what being made righteous is. He puts you in right standing with himself. That's what made righteous is. Putting you in right standing. That's what being righteous is. Putting you in right standing with him. i say it again. That's what being righteous is. Putting you in right standing with him. That's why Hebrews says, let us now come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us come boldly. Why? Because you're his righteous son and daughter.
You're in his family now. Why well, messed up? You're in his family right now. Well, I didn't do what he said. You're in his family right now. You need to, I don't care what's going on in your life, go to him and deal with family matters. Don't go to the devil and let him talk to you about your family. You go to, the, you go to God and talk to you about his family. I did a, a sermon a long time ago about our identity and talk, you know, and showed everyone, or everyone should anyways, have a card of some sort that shows you who you are. Proof. You know, you, you're... I don't know, your social security, your, your driver's license has your picture on there, your name, and everything about you to show who you are, yeah. to prove that. And sometimes, you know, we can get so dirty in this world, and then we go up to the gate, and he looks out, and he says, they're looking and say, who are you? Because you got mud all over you, you got all this stuff on you, but at any time, you can pull out your righteous card, and then on there, it's got, it's got the blood on there, and you can hold it up. Oh, come on in. We'll talk. It's that, it's that identi identification card. See, you carry that. I said, you carry that all the time. You should be carrying it. Don't leave home without it. <laughs> Amen. It'll get you a lot further than American Express will. So he justified you or made, so justified means righteous, made righteous. Don't ever forget that. You're made righteous. Made. Made. Most people don't get that. You're made right. Well, I don't know if God will do it for me. Why not? You're made righteous. Well, I don't know if God will, you know, will you pray because he don't hear my prayer. Why not? You're made righteous. You're made righteous. He hears the prayers of the righteous. Why, why wouldn't he hear you? Well, I don't feel right. Why? It don't have anything. If you got the identification card given to you, it don't matter what you feel like at that moment. You could be totally unconscious, laying on the street, zoned out, and we could come up and say, well, who is that? I don't know. Get in his wallet and look and see who it is. Oh, that's John Doe. His identification card. That's that, that's that identification card. I'm righteous. Well, you don't feel like, I don't care. This is what my card says. This is what the word says. I'm righteous. Well, that my wife says I'm not. Well, this is what the word says. I am. You know, that's usually that's who you have to that's who who you have to show the card to the most is the ones who know you. <laughs> Family members and workers and everyone that you're around. Why? Because they're saying you're not perfect. But it wasn't your perfection that made you righteous. It was Jesus Christ that made you righteous. It was Jesus that made you righteous. It wasn't any, anyone else. Amen. And this is where we struggle the most because we see the imperfections, we see the blemishes, we see the wrinkles in our own life, and therefore we start agreeing with it. There's no way I could be the glorious church. There's no way that I could be the righteousness of God. It's only in name only. No, it's not in name only. It is the truth. It is in God only, in Christ only, that you're the righteousness of God in him. And the reason why we're not bearing the fruits of righteousness is because we're struggling in this area all the time. Well, I just, I can't do it, so what's the difference? I'll just go out and blow it. I'll just go do this. I, I'm going to quit trying. That's been your problem. You're trying. Be who you are. Just be who you are. Quit trying to be something. 
if you're trying to be something, then you're saying, I don't believe I am. Be who you are. If you mess up, don't, don't question the righteousness. The righteousness is what gets you back into the throne room and you can go get cleansed. But that didn't get affected, righteousness. We got we to quit here. He said, putting them in right standing, and those he justified, that's us, that's me. That's me. Say, I'm righteous in Christ Jesus. He put me in right standing with God the Father. Okay, he said he glorified you. What's this? Man, this is so good what this says. Glorified, raising, everyone say raising. Raising. Raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Man, I'm telling you what, he didn't only justify you, he didn't just make you righteous. The Bible says he went, he went a step further. He went on a little further. And he said, he raised you up. He raised you up to what? To a heavenly dignity. Now, I had to look it up, what dignitary was. I want to get the meaning. You know, I have, thank God for dictionaries. <laughs> Dic- this is a dictionary. He raised you to a heavenly dignity. You ever heard of dignitaries or politicians or people or ambassadors, stuff like that? Dignitary, a person of high rank in office. A person of high rank in office. So he, so he raised you up or exalted you or promoted us, however you want to say it, to a high office. And rank in the body of Christ. Every one of you. Every one of us. Every one of us. Everyone. Who did he do this for? The ones he justified. The ones who he made righteous. Made it Kathy right there. Glory to God. She's made righteous. And not only just made righteous, she was she's been given a Position in the kingdom of God of high dignity. So it's patient. All of us. There's not one, not not one of us has been exempt here. He did this for every one of us, raising us, raising us. Well, that means that you have special privileges, special rights. Special responsibilities. Because... because you got authority that came along with that, but that's only there to carry out the responsibility that's been given to the glorious church. Raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us now that you and I are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. We're not of this world, we live in this world, the Bible says. And, we, and because of we're an ambassador, that means that our, our now kingdom backs us. Our now kingdom is for us. Our now kingdom is supplies for us, which is what? The kingdom of God. For you have been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We're in a different kingdom. The moment that you got born again, you were put into a different kingdom. And in that kingdom, you're now raised up and elevated in that kingdom to do kingdom business. He, he, he cleaned you up. He made you righteous. And then he raised you up And gave you all of this that comes with that position. 
And here we are, still struggling with the fact if we deserve it. Or is it true? Where some, are, some Christians are just fighting just to get to heaven and just get that little cabin just by the little crick. I'll be happy with that. And God's saying, what? What are you talking about? All that I've done for you and all that I've given to you and, and, and elevated and positioned you in, and here you are thinking that you're, you're no different. One more scripture and we're done, I promise. Go, this just came to me. Go over to, um, I think it's 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. This is it. Paul's talking to the church at Corinth. And again, you know, we were talking uh, Sunday. This church had all kind of corruption going on in it. It was probably one of the most wildest, partiest bunch of people in there. I mean, they had a lot of, a lot of ungodly things going on in there. And he, go, and he starts off, he just talks to him. He's, he says, the first thing he talks to him about, he addresses him. He says, and to the saints that be at Corinth. The saints that be at Corinth. I wouldn't have been my first thought. <laughs> you bunch of knuckleheads. Are you even saved? You know, that's the way we would respond to it. But he, he looks at him. He writes to him. He says, I'm writing to the saints that be at Corinth. You can say it this way. I'm writing to the saints that be at Faith Outreach. Saints means the people of God. Amen? You're, you're a saint now. If you're not a saint, then you're an ain't. And you ain't going to make it. No, you got to be a saint. We don't vote on it to see whether you're going to be a saint. You're already create, made a saint in Christ. So he, he talks to him. And so notice here in verse, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak as unto you as unto spiritual, but he says, unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. Verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you have not been able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. Verse 3, for you are, not, for you are yet carnal. Everyone say carnal. For whereas there is among you, this is what carnality is, envying, strife, division. And notice what he says. He said, are you not carnal and walk as men or walk as mere men? So he is rebuking them right now. And he is saying, you guys are walking as if you, you're, not, you're not saved. You're walking as if you're not righteous. You're walking living as if you're in your old past. He said that you've got all this division going on. You have this strife. You have this bickery. You have all this argue, argument going on. There's some sit on this side. Some sit on this side. Won't talk with each other. You got all this going on. He said, you're living like the world. And he says, I'm reminding you, you're not in the world no more. You've been taken out of the world. You're saints of God. You're righteous. You're holy. You've been raised up to a new level of dignity. You're an ambassador of God. That's what he's doing. He's, he's telling them, listen, this state you're in, he goes, you've lost sight of who you are. You've lost your identity. He goes, I'm reminding you who you are in Christ Jesus. Come back to who that is. Amen. Start acting like who you are. See, religion, religion will, cast, will cast all kinds of doubt and unbelief and all this control over Say, you know what? You're not even saved. There's no way you can be saved. Act like that. There's no way you can be saved. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I said, yeah, you can. Seen it, done it, wrote the book. It's called being carnal. You're still righteous. But you're acting like the world. Hallelujah. 
So he's just, he's just telling them. Go, he, the, the, first three, the first two chapters, he was reminding them who they are in Christ Jesus again. You've got to keep that before you. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been justified, and now I am glorified. I have a new place, a new position of dignity. I've been exalted to a special place in Christ Jesus. I've been glorified. I am the glorious church. You are right now. You are right now. Amen. I think, was it over here? Or came over? Oh, we're done. We came, I came over and maybe somewhere else. Um, took a picture. It was, it was you, Mark. I took a picture of Mark and I pretended, I said on my, on my camera, I said, I got this new app. And, but I'd already taken a picture of him earlier. And, um, and, and, and it's going to show the spiritual man, not the natural man. So I took the picture of him, you know, and then played like I was doing the app. And so it's looking at him spiritually and then gives a picture. Well, then when we played, when I showed the picture, it had a crown on him. He was robed in there. Had a scepter right there. And I said, here, <laughs> this is who he is. And what was funny was after, afterwards... <laughs> Libby's mom, Michelle, came up to me. She goes, can you do one for me? Can you take a picture of me? I want to see what I look like. <laughs> but, but see, it's getting, it's getting to see beyond your flesh and see what God did on the inside of you. That's what matters. And if you'll get a hold of what God did on the inside of you, it'll eventually change what's happening on the outside of you. See, you've got to see who you are in Christ before you can ever walk in who you are in Christ. Religion tries to get you to walk the walk without understanding who you are, and you're always trying to achieve it. You're always trying to become it. You know, we'll wear our hair up, and we'll wear, you know, we'll let our beards grow, and we'll ride in horse and buggies and, and do all. Well, that's okay if you want to do that. But for, to, to become holy and to be sanctified, you don't need to do that. You already are. If you're doing it because you're being forced to do it, that's religion. I said, that's religion. Amen. It's required in this church that all women wear makeup. All right? I'm kidding. Kidding. <laughs> but some say they can't wear makeup because why? Because that's being sanctified. No, that's not being sanctified. That's helping the marriage. <laughs> I got to stop. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, come on, Mark. Here's one, I guess. <laughs> Pray for me. Let's stand. Glory, let's stand.